0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Knowledge Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Arbilla, the lead mentor at the Knowledge Exchange, where we specialize in helping clinicians in private practice become the clinicians that they wanna be. We have one-on-one and group mentoring for those who value coaching on how to apply a BPS approach to their clinical practice and how to manage the many challenges that come along when working with humans who have pain. So if you're interested, Check us out at TKEX.org and join our Facebook discussion group. So one of the most valuable parts of our podcast has been hearing some of the lived experiences and shining a light to patients, clients, humans who deal with pain and and manage it and learn from their experiences. So I'm very honored to be joined by Lucas Knight. He is a popper, uh, so it's a dance, street dance style. Much better than I am, if anyone's interested <laughs> in knowing. Is a also master's student studying psychology and just recently got the master's position. So congrats on that. Lots of hard work to get into masters of psychology. Thank you. Mate, Lucas, yeah. th- thank you for for being here and for making the time. And for the
1: listeners, we'd love to hear a bit of a background. What's what's your story? Sure. So yeah, my name's Lucas. I just finished my fourth year at UNSW. Um, so my story sort of started um, maybe around March this year. Um, I had started going to the gym and um, I was just doing some exercises and I was doing the deadlift. And I started at a weight that was usually a bit higher than I would start with. And then after doing, um, my first rep, I noticed a bit, um, bit of pain around my lower back. Um, uh, more so on one side, on like the right hand side. And I, I was pretty scared, like when this pain happened and I noticed, and I guess a lot of this fear came from the fact that the, the pain didn't subside, uh, very quickly. It sort of lingered for quite a while. And um, it sort of lingered for quite a while and didn't really go away. And this happened for maybe about a week or two. And then it did eventually go away on its own. But I did notice it uh, just a little bit more sensitive, I guess. Um, and then later on, I was preparing for a dance showcase at um, for the crossover dance studio. Um, and during the practice, I did... Um, I was going through learning the choreography for one of the routines. And in one of the moves, there was a move called the alpha, which basically involves like big range of motion. You're sort of bending down and uh, kicking your legs quite high. And, um, when I first tried this move, I noticed quite sharp pain in sort of the same area in my lower back. Yep. So the alpha is a, like a locking move for the listeners that um aren't aware so the
0: alpha locking move it's like full spinal flexion maximum intensity
1: and you're like on one leg it's quite yeah yeah. impressive yeah so i was trying this move and basically uh found my back like sort of like quite a sharp pain straight away and then this was maybe about a week and a half before the showcase and I had signed up to a lot of showcase courses. So I was meant to be doing, uh, about four different performances. And then, um, I was talking to friends about it, uh, other dancer friends around the time, and they, they were quite concerned, um, about pain in the back in general. Um, some people would share, uh, sort of stories of maybe relatives or people they knew who had experienced, um, low back pain and, talked about how sort of serious back pain is and sort of it shouldn't be taken lightly and that was sort of the message I had received. So taking this into account, I decided to see a, a GP. Um, I sort of just looked uh, this would have this was like on a Saturday um, and my usual clinic I would uh, go to wasn't um, available. so I I found one uh, sort of in the local area that I decided to go to and um they immediately told me that i should rest and also get a a scan like an mri scan um so i got the scan and it came back saying that there was a possible impingement on the nerve around the l4 l5 uh disc of the of the lumbar uh spine something like that and um And then, yeah, I returned to the GP and he recommended me to get a epidural steroid injection. And the message I sort of got was um, that it's like, because you have this possible impingement, we're just going to do this steroid injection to reduce the swelling of the nerve. And then you won't experience any pain after this. So I got the injection. And as a result of this, I wasn't able to do... showcase actually so the the four showcases and stuff i had to pull out um and then i got the steroid injection and i was also told to rest a lot during this time so i would spend most days just trying to do activities that wouldn't potentially aggravate the pain so that usually i was usually just lying in bed in my room either watching shows or movies on my computer, or playing games, video games, um, and just sort of not doing things such as sitting, or if I were to change position, I would try to really slowly to sort of minimize any potential pain that might arise from my movements. And so I sort of developed these very careful and sort of cautious habits of um, that were very, I guess, propagated by um, fear of pain. And, then, and this was the message that you had throughout yeah. the entire experience of
0: like avoiding things and, yeah. and resting. So it would make yeah. sense that you add
1: those kind of protective behaviors yep. around that. Yeah. So about a week passed since I got my initial injection and they said it might be a bit sensitive just because of where we put the needle in um, for the first day or so. But after that, you should feel that you're... Uh, that you should feel you're getting back to normal um but this didn't end up happening um and this was about and there was I also got so I didn't get to perform at the showcase but I decided to go and watch um just because I had um bought tickets anyway um for my parents but since I wasn't in the show they're like oh you can just take the tickets and then so I decided to go um and this was about a week after my initial steroid injection and then I ended up getting COVID unfortunately at the at like the dinner at the event um so that was like another week after of continue resting and then I sort of thought okay I'll just keep resting and I'm sure after my COVID's done like I would have rested for a long enough time that my uh my back is feeling my back would feel sort of good again and I could get back into dance, which was sort of my goal. Um, but yeah, it never sort of, the pain sort of never went away. And I would find, Um. so I guess based on this, I went back to the GP I was initially seeing. And I told them that um, I was still experiencing pain in my lower back. Even though I took the steroid injection and didn't really know what to do. And he sort of just prescribed me some like pretty strong painkillers and just said, Um, that, um, can't remember what exactly he said, but it was sort of the message that like, you can just take these painkillers when you feel pain and then it will probably go away eventually. Um, but yeah, so I guess I didn't find the initial GP consultations, uh, very helpful. So I decided to, um, look for some physios around me. Um, there's one in my local area that I initially saw and also one that, uh, uh, some friends had recommended to me. And, um, so I was seeing these two physios and they were sort of reinforcing the idea, some of the ideas of, I guess, fear in movement. So sort of like prescribing... Specific exercises like the McKenzie, uh, stretch, or I'm not sure what it's exactly called, but yeah, yeah. lying
0: down, extending up. So like lying on your front, pushing the floor away so that
1: your chest is off the floor and you're like, yeah. Bending back, extending back. So the sort of the message that these movements that I would do would help guide the disc in my L4, L5 area that was bulging out, that it would help guide the disc back in. And then, so the physios also had like electro shock sort of machines that would, it, it sort of felt like, like a small drill or hammer type, like sort of physical machine that would sort of be applied to my lower back and sort of apply pressure And the message was sort of the same in that these things would help you sort of um, recover by guiding the disc in your back. Yeah, so I was doing these uh, stretches and exercises, but I guess the path to being able to dance again seemed quite far away. Um, I guess hearing from both uh, the physios that I had saw, that, yeah, that I was seeing, Um, they were sort of saying that it's probably going to take maybe eight weeks or so before you can start trying some of the activities that you used to do. But even if you were to do them, you would probably have to do them at a, like, really reduced rate. Yeah. And then I think it was around this time that I reached out to Daniel because I had a consult, um initially after that incident at the gym, um, in March. And this was about May. So this was about two months later. And then, um, I reached out to him because I knew he had sort of a background in seeing dances and he was also an exercise physio. And I thought that maybe some different perspectives and stuff could help the treatment. And I had sort of looked into like the electroshock thing, into I was just I guess I was just looking around on Google to seeing like if it was backed by evidence and it didn't seem to be exactly. So I guess um uh I guess I just saw some red flags and became a bit wary of some of the physios I was seeing and they also told me things like you'd have to wait eight weeks to dance, which I didn't really like hearing. So I sort of wanted to seek other information that might be more positive or might be yeah. More optimistic in my outlook to return to dance. You hadn't been dancing since March then? Or um so after March I was dancing a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On and then uh I'd say in April I started to ramp up dance to what I usually like to do. Mm-hmm. And then in end of April or middle of May, I had that injury. Mm-hmm. And then um, since then onwards, I wasn't really dancing for maybe a month or so yeah, until like I saw you. Off
0: yeah. It was like the GP initial consult yeah. and then the injection. Yeah. And then uh, you saw two clinicians
1: and yeah. um, was it helping at all at that time? Um, I guess the helpful thing was that I felt like I had things that I could do to get better. So it's like when they prescribed me exercises and things, I felt sort of more in control of, um, being like I can speed this recovery process if I make sure to do my exercises or yeah, but I guess there was still a lot of fear in, um, like my movements and stuff. So I usually experience some pain when I'm driving. So when I'm sitting down, sitting down and driving just from like the prolonged static position. So, um, I had like a little pillow that I would use and that would help But um, like things like sitting down on chairs or, um, picking things up from the floor, I would tend to avoid or tend to do them in like a really cautious and careful way. Um, even though that I was still being prescribed these exercises that were meant to sort of help me recover. Yeah, so they
0: gave you a bit of a plan and something you could do for yourself so you can see like an end in sight. And then imagine it was when you were doing it, it was helpful that you had a sense of you know, something you can do for yourself to manage, Um, but it was just taking too long.
1: Yeah. You didn't like it when they said eight weeks yeah and then i think because like when i would talk to them that like i would want to get back into dance um they were usually pretty hesitant just because their perception of dance was like is, um dance can be or like they would say that dance was quite explosive and sort of like you're doing quick movements and things like that um so it might be something to not really get into for now so i was i was probably thinking like like some dances like definitely are like that they can be quite explosive and quick and sort of um more energetic and um but like other dances could be actually not that uh yeah not like that and they could be a lot slower they could be yeah like you could really take your time with them so i thought that they're was something that I could probably do, but they just probably didn't really understand as much.
0: Yeah. You had a bit of uh, like questioning, curiosity, and like something um, made you kind of look up the therapies that that they were using as well. And uh, yeah, that's thanks to your educational background that you actually care about the evidence base around certain treatments i can imagine another person say another dancer with without that training or education may not have Mm. done that yeah that's true yeah and so you you took it amongst yourself to like seek out other different sources of information yeah at the time yeah and then what was that journey after after then what what did you kind of um do when when you saw me what did you take from
1: Sure. So, um, our, a lot of our sessions were sort of focused on maybe like debunking or any like, um, ideas or perceptions I had on either pain or how, um, how capable our bodies were in sort of being able to do certain things. So, um, I think the biggest, one or like one of the most impactful ones was talking about how the pain system and sort of using an analogy of like a fire alarm in the house. So, or like a smoke detector. So the smoke detector could start ringing, but, and that's sort of like your pain system telling that there's like possible danger or there's something that could be wrong, but the pain signal doesn't always correlate to Injury or damage in the body. It could just ring, for example, for the fact that like toast is burning in your house. And it doesn't always mean that the house is on fire. And then we would also do a lot of things where you would, um, um, to sort of debunk. By
0: the way, like full disclosure, you can say any of the shit things that I did as well. (laughs) Like anything
1: you found like unhelpful. Okay. Um. Then, yeah, I guess another good thing was um, it was, oh, yeah, it was when you would help debunk my fear of movement. So those are things like sitting up quickly or sitting down quickly or like you would throw a pen near me and I'd have to catch it and then... And then I'd catch it and realize like I just did like a really quick and fast movement, but I actually didn't experience that much pain in my back. And even if I did like a little bit, it, it sort of just go away pretty quickly. It wouldn't really persist. And
0: yeah. Yeah. You had the, um, all the messages in the past of avoiding things and making sure you're doing specific exercises to, for your disc. Right. And you had a diagnosis, you had a scan, you had, all the yeah. treatments aimed towards the disc-related uh, diagnosis, so yeah, it makes sense that you would uh, yeah protect. Um, and I, I f- from memory, you didn't really notice that you were quite slow in those movements.
1: Yeah, like I didn't notice, or like sometimes I would think that I was going faster, but I would be maybe I would be going like twenty to thirty percent faster than I initially had, but that was still like maybe. of what I would usually go at. Yeah. And, um, you hadn't done
0: any dance style, you kind of were avoiding things to, to, for
1: the messages of speeding up your. Yeah, basically since my goal was like dance longevity and I wanted to prevent injuries, so my goal was to get rid of the pain as quick as possible. And then I'll just resume dance again. Yeah, that was sort okay. of my initial approach. And what did you find most Um, or like rather
0: how did we um, debunk things like during consults? And then also like kudos to you for experimenting yourself outside of sessions. What did you do after our session by yourself with dance and
1: exploration? Yeah. So I guess like I guess the really difficult thing um. And I guess I wouldn't know how clinicians... Well, I'm thinking, like, it would be really hard for clinicians to improve this, but, like, as a client and you walk into a session, it's really impossible... It's, like, almost impossible to tell whether the information you're receiving is good or bad because either way, the clinician's going to present it in a way that seems like it's the right information. So I think, like that was the most confusing thing was when I came to you and told you certain things, um, you would mention like, Oh, I I'm like, um, like for example, like when I talked about like the McKenzie thing and like Bob and Brad, like the YouTube channel and you mentioned like, Oh yeah, they're not really evidence-based. And I was like, Oh, like they, they have like a YouTube channel and they seem to, they have like, they have like the little skeleton doll like next to them, and they're like doing things, and they seem like very experienced and like professional people. Um, and it's really easy to sort of be fooled by, yeah, by these sort of services or um different things that are offered, um especially surrounding um yeah pain, yeah. There's must have been. I imagine if I
0: was in your case, in in your like shoes, confused, I would be like, "There's on the one hand, there's certain healthcare professionals claiming different things about back pain, and on the other hand, it's like you're getting almost opposite information about like yeah. actually going into pain, like working with pain, yeah, yeah, but on the other hand, it's like very specific rules about pain, and, yeah, and movements and
1: yeah, and I feel like the only Like, because to me, like, I had received previously like two other physios that had said opposing information, but I had one. Like, I had when I was seeing you, you were saying different things, but you were saying things that I sort of wanted to hear, like things like I can go back into dance and things like that. And that definitely probably made me more likely to want to try um these different approaches so i guess the difficult thing is like when you're a client sort of everything you see around you like at physios and things all seems evidence-based like and at, to some extent like there probably is some there's probably some training or something that they did that reinforced their methods to sort of deliver these services to their clients. And they're doing what they think is best for everyone as well, usually. Um, but sort of, it's sort of how difficult it is to sort of navigate the health world and sort of figuring out like, what can you do to like best help your situation? Absolutely. And I think that like
0: zooming out from, this, this experience, I think this really shows how important it is and the responsibility for like me to keep up to date and to provide the most evidence-based information yeah. because there's you, there's people like you living with pain and wanting solutions and wanting help. And there's a certain, I imagine a trust that you would have and you would need as a patient, as a client, when you see a clinician, and there's that kind of um, power as well, where I can I've got knowledge and you don't have knowledge, and yep. you would assume the best. It's like if you go mm. to any um, any professional, you'd yeah, assume yeah. that they would be up to date and provide yep. you as that you know the least wrong narratives and information. Yeah, so, yeah, it's tough so, as a as a client to navigate.
1: Yeah, so. Um, like, I think maybe one, maybe something that I found helpful was that you would sort of allow me to test these beliefs I had myself. So it's like I had, um, I had certain information telling me I should avoid everything that was painful. And then you were the other side saying like pain. Um, pain doesn't have to be completely eliminated. We could just work with it and sort of you can just start doing the things you like sort of quickly, like sort of quicker and sort of ease into things and sort of start to move your body more. And that being active was actually something that I should be actively doing. And then like I could look back on past experiences such as me um, taking a steroid injection and lying down in bed for like two weeks and then noticing that um, my pain had gotten like quite significantly worse. And then so that's sort of little snapshot seems to suggest that um, not moving actually wasn't doing a whole lot of good. And when I had, and then I was like, okay, well, that didn't work. And let me try to be a bit more active. And I would sort of notice straight away that things weren't as either scary as they seemed, or I could just start doing the things I liked more and like the i think another difficult thing is when you try like it's sort of going against your instinct like of like something you move know, you move, so, you move a certain way and it's causing you pain and you instantly want to stop and sort of not want to do that thing ever again and um it's sort of gets ingrained in your context as well. Like when you go to like a dance class and people have heard about your injury and they'll sort of reinforce these messages again of like, make sure you don't do this or that, or like, are you sure you can do this? Are you sure you can do that? And sort of, it can create a lot of doubt in your recovery process too. So I think being able to test these things myself helped a lot of like, I could try and if it, does work then there's there's no point in stop doing the things that seem to be working just because some other people say that might not be a good idea because they might not really have these experiences or really understand why like these things are okay
0: it's like honoring and reflecting on your own experiences of what worked for you and what wasn't working yeah so that you could have the autonomy to yeah do and test and explore because you're already curious and willing. Um, and as well, like other disclosure is every clinician is well-intentioned and no one is yeah. evil in healthcare and we're all just doing the best that we can. And you could have seen also two EPs and I could be a physio. That's beside the point. Yeah, yeah. It's more for your experience in your case, these things is uh, were helpful for you. And mm. then it seems like, the the factor was giving you that safety and that permission to explore and move with pain. And what what did you notice when you were exploring these movements and like moving fast when you were moving slow? And yeah. So I imagine there were some ups and downs as well. Yeah, there definitely
1: were. So like like I tried like dancing just like a little bit in my room at home. And then I was like, oh wow, this is like pretty okay. And then um i think I did i i imagine like i did that a little bit and then a few days later like i noticed like a flare-up and then my sort of instant thought was like oh no i've definitely done the wrong thing like i've definitely just damaged and um like um made my back worse or um and i was quite worried and then i remember we had a online consult sort of around that time and that was sort of when the more pain debunking and like pain does not always signal injury sort of discussion we had that I found really helpful. Um,
0: this is when you had like a flare up. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So it's like very real sensations in your body and yeah, you had thoughts of like you, you cause more damage based on mm. your previous experiences.
1: Mm. Yeah. So things... Like that, were very helpful. And then, um, I remember, like, sort of when I started to make my return to dance, I decided to start training another style, which was breaking, which is like a lot more athletic and sort of explosive compared to like the style I usually do popping. So I think this was quite fun for me to do because it was sort of like it was sort of like the most extreme that I could do it was sort of like testing the limits of um like my back and like and I felt that doing this gave me a lot of confidence because I could feel that I could do training and I could train breaking and then it was mostly fine like there's certain um really like flexed positions that I would find still too uncomfortable to do. So I just um sort of didn't have to do them. Or like I could do them in at like a smaller scale. Or um I could still just do the activity that I wanted to do, sort of in my way that sort of um fit and met my needs. Getting into those
0: positions in a in a different way. I remember yeah. we were
1: going through like um,
0: yeah maybe around this time or before about um you were you were told that your posture or your sitting position yeah, was a bit out of yeah. whack and who
1: who were your um who who told you that what was that kind of oh yeah like? so yeah that was also another thing it was like um this it was just like when i sit down like i think my lower back is like quite flexible or something so like when I sit down like on the floor, um especially like there's like a clear area of my lower back that seems to protrude more out. And I sort of noticed this as a kid. I was like, oh like maybe it's like why is why does my back do that? And then like later, like when I would sit in the car and notice pain in my lower back, I just sort of correlated to these two things together and be like, Okay. It's my posture that is causing the pain. So it must fix the posture to fix the pain. And then I guess there's a lot of like posture sort of talk online. Like I did find like a few videos saying, um, that seemed pretty evident evidence-based saying like posture doesn't matter. Like you could just sort of sit however you want and you should just change your posture over time. And I would see videos like that, like that seemed evidence-based, but I will also see like a lot of more fear-mongering stuff or like a lot of these things saying like the other side. So I guess I just wanted to reconfirm with like a professional and like what's what's real and what isn't and what sort of evidence-based and what isn't um, surrounding like the context of posture.
0: Do you remember out of curiosity to give a – bit of a promotion shout out to the helpful resources that if you recall
1: yeah um from memory it was like a youtuber i can't remember his exact name but he he's like a weightlifter man and he has like blonde hair jeff nippet yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um
0: cool. because so i think yeah. it's important for um people to know what kind of resources are actually useful and yep. um don't have as much you know jargon for yeah. clinicians
1: as all well, easy to understand mm-hmm. so I think what I found helpful about his videos was that he would sort of cite his sources in like the description and he would talk about like a lot of the it'd sort of just um summarize and translate like scientific papers in like a nice way and sort of say like oh like these people found this and it seems to be, it seems to suggest X, Y, Z. Yeah, and so. it's
0: probably counter and along this line. There's there were probably a few other resources that were different to if we look at your social context and like friends and dancers. Mm, yeah, like what generally the most common claims are about pain and injury risk and injury yeah.
1: prevention. What were what were some of the the different claims sure so some different claims for injury prevention were the sort of the idea of like stretching um like the importance of stretching and like it was like the one like stretching is always talked about as like the one method that prevents all injuries so I guess I guess there is a lot of so I guess what happens is like uh, like dancers would do a certain thing and like they might get injured and then they might point to being like oh probably should have stretched more or something along those lines um but I guess what I've now through like our sessions and like some of the resources you've shared come to understand was that like stretching is just another way of like adding load and that there's not just like it shouldn't be stretching that we're focused on but i thought like the um the progressive loading sort of idea of just like don't do extremes that like your body isn't really ready for just sort of build them up slowly to like a comfortable level and that's like if you just sort of take that approach with dance as well, then you'll find like like I I feel like it makes so much sense that that's how injuries happen. It's like you try something that your body really isn't capable for, and then like your body tries to do something and then it it can't. But if you sort of um take like certain dance moves or certain um combos or um movements and you sort of gradually um, increase the range you do them or sort of the height or whatever the speed or sort of ways to add load or more force in those sort of ways is like a really great way of um, approaching dance training in like a safer way. It's super interesting how the idea that stretching is
0: how you prevent injury. And if you are injured, you also need a stretch. It's quite a pervasive claim amongst mm. everything and uh, how did that i guess the the belief or the idea of stretching impact you initially mm. like um what did it lead to um and what did you find most helpful now that you know about stretching what impact did that have
1: yeah so i guess um like i initially like considered the claim like maybe few years ago, like a lot of dancers would say um that they've been stretching a lot, and they've done it like basically, a lot of them did after like an injury, and they said, like I should take care of my body more, so I should stretch to sort of prevent injuries. Um, so I tried it for a while. um but I personally really don't like stretching. Um, I just find it like quite too static and boring. I just didn't really find it enjoyable, and I always find it like so painful. So it was just like not something I enjoyed doing anyway. And so when I heard that like stretching wasn't this be all end all thing that prevents injuries, like, that was that was honestly pretty good news that I didn't have to do this like pretty boring activity that a lot of dancers had sort of pushed as like this um sort of way of uh, preventing injuries and then um like it's not to say stretching is bad by any means like stretching is just like another way to add load so um I think it's a great way to like different way to if people enjoy it to like increase their mobility or like to help um get certain moves or um if they focus on stretching in a certain way then I'm sure it'll help develop their skills over time as well um but Finding out that um that stretching wasn't really for me, but I could find something else that could achieve similar results. So that was our session where we used like um where we would use weights and then sort of try like range of motion movements. And then I found that more enjoyable, yeah, awesome. I think you you
0: nailed it like if you if someone enjoys stretching, there's nothing necessarily bad with it. It's. Mm. Now it seems like you have what have you what are you doing instead of stretching?
1: Um so currently, I guess. Um like yesterday I took like a dance workshop from um there was like a battle and there was like an international judge that came for the event. And um he's very uh well known for his like groundwork and ground movements. Um he mainly does the style of um, hip hop, but he, he's like training a lot of different dance styles and he had like a, um, up stretch session at, for an hour, like just before the workshop for people, if they're interested. And I, I went to that and I thought it was really great. Um, in just that there was like a lot of different stretches and stuff that he had that really like warmed up your body and just like adding load in different ways. And so I thought, I thought that was pretty good. And then he sort of um, just uses, like, stretching in a way to sort of condition his body. And that was, like, the first time I noticed, like, I did, like, a bunch of stretching, and I noticed my body was quite warm just because of, like, all the load I was adding to, like, the different positions and stuff. Or that's definitely what it felt like. And then he was talking about... um um he he would still go to the gym pretty often to do like um compound exercises and things so like it he it's just like you can do whatever you like to sort of achieve the so like his grand moves or um those different like movements that seem um that i would have initially thought that i just have to that i could only achieve through like flexibility or mobility training but i could still achieve like a lot of different things through strength training too so currently um i like if my friends are stretching then i might just join um if i if like everyone's doing it it's never that bad but um i'm i guess some training i'm doing right now would be i'm just going to the gym uh at least once a week or so right now um, on top of dance training which i'm finding pretty good But I'd like to increase that up as well. And then, so as far as like, I don't really do like specific mobility training or anything right now, just because there's nothing in my immediate goal that's like a specific move I want to get or a specific movement that I feel like I need to stress, I mean, stretch or manage load in a way to help achieve it.
0: Yeah, it's um, you not against stretching, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's more you've got more options now. You're not yeah. stuck in yeah, um, like you have to do certain stretches in order to do certain moves or or reach certain ranges of motion. There's other ways mm. to do it. Yeah, okay. yeah, and um, any other helpful things you found based on your experience uh, as a dancer and and with your pain recovery like we're looking at now towards the end and you you from from the story you went back into full locking did you end up doing the alpha move what was that
1: experience like oh uh, yeah so uh, that's actually really funny my so i went on a trip to like singapore a few weeks ago and then um my friend teaches like a locking street class and he's like, he messaged me because he's like, oh, I'm at a, like I've booked a studio and we're going to like, we're going to go through and break down the alpha again. And he's like, this is your chance to like, make sure you win over this move and <laughs> make sure you get it. And then I was like, oh yeah, I'll definitely go to that. And then we came back that day from Singapore and I was just so jet lagged, So I just stayed at home, but I was like, but it's, it's on my list of moves that I want to eventually train. Yeah, just as like a way to gain confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. It's it's also awesome. it's a continual process. Mm. But well, um,
0: and I guess... any any flare ups as well along the the journey. Um,
1: and if so, how do you manage pain, niggle, soreness? Yeah. So I guess yeah, definitely. Like there were some little flare ups here and there. Like if I had dance for like like heaps of hours and also gone to like the gym the same day or just like done a lot of activity. But it doesn't feel like something I'm as scared of now. Like I sort of notice the pain and then I don't try and avoid it as much. I feel like I can accept it a lot easier and just being like, okay, like I did a lot of um exercising and like there's a lot of load on my lower back. So it's probably pretty straightforward that I'm feeling some pain right now. And then like next morning I'll be okay. Or sometimes like I'll feel a little bit sensitive, but then like the day after then it's gone.
0: Yeah, cool. It seems like a different response to the first few yeah. flare ups. Yeah. Now you're managing it differently. You're responding mm. in a more helpful way. Yeah. Thanks to your experiences and all the efforts that you put in. Yeah. And um, So if you were to get uh, a flare up similar to the, let's say worst case scenario, out of yep. curiosity. And this is absolutely not a test. I'm just curious. Uh, if you were to do a an, like an alpha move in a in a battle or in a workshop uh-huh. coming up, And yep. say you had a bit of a flare up, worst case scenario,
1: what would uh-huh. you do? Um, I'd probably think about why the pain right. happened. Like it was probably like, um, like I extended further than my body was really comfortable doing, or something along those lines. And then um, I would probably just like try out, like I'd probably just still be dancing, um, but I'd probably be thinking about how would I approach that move next time or like work towards that move next time in a way that's better. So maybe I would think about like kicking my leg not as high or like try not to sink my hips as low. Um, like basically ways to progressively, um, approach my lower back flexion type movement and think of how can I gradually approach that next time instead of just going from zero to hundred.
0: Awesome. Like modifying the movement to your tolerance and changing certain variables like the speed and the range of motion and the reps, the Mm -hmm. intensity, the technique that you use. Yeah. Oh, cool. it it. I imagine it sounds a bit simple. Yeah. Back now, but even like ugh, when you're in pain, and when you have that that real fear and threat, and it's like embodied, and it's mm. you've got a scan report, and you've got all these things going on, and you've got professionals telling you to avoid it. Yeah. It's fucking hard to yeah to, to go against your instinct and like work with some pain and some painful movements.
1: And yeah. Just- yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like, I think that was also the most surprising thing with our, my initial session with you was like, like I sort of left thinking like, oh, like I didn't, there was like no massage or no needling, like what's going on. Um, And I think that it's like, it's like a different way of providing a service than i had ever had for seeing a physio like i would usually um be given like some tape or some something or like a massage or something along those lines and i had <clears throat> i guess what i found different was that i had basically attributed those things to like the physiotherapy so i think that was yeah i think that was really different and then like when i and so i had that so when i saw my local physio um based on like um recommendation from like my parents they're like oh like we went here and it was like pretty good and the guy was nice so i was like okay and then i went and then i got like the massage and stuff and i'm like okay like this feels more like the physio experience I'm used to. And then I tried it and that didn't work, which is why it made me reevaluate it. But I think because of how like ingrained it was to me that this was like the normal process, I think it made, it probably maybe made me more hesitant about initial session because I saw yeah, because I didn't receive, like, a massage or some needling from you or, like, any tape or anything. Yeah, it was a bit different. It was, yeah. like,
0: uh, outside of your expectations and the norm. So, you yeah, imagine yeah. it was, uh, I don't know, it increases some suspicion. I'm just trying to feel, mm. like, what, imagine what it would feel like yeah. working out without having that kind of expectation met. And yeah. absolutely, like, there's some cases where because of that, People mm. don't see uh, exercise-based professional. And right. at the same time, nothing wrong with those treatments if they're mm. used in the right context and for the right person at the right time. Yeah. Like, there's nothing evil about tape and needles and yeah. massage. Yeah. But for, from your experience, what? how did you feel that you didn't have it? And why did you come back then? Like, I'm...
1: Yeah. So I think why I came back was when... So I had, like, the steroid injection. And then I saw those physios and I had like the manual stuff and I found it wasn't really working, I guess. And that's why I tried to get something different. And then I think it was after seeing, uh, after seeing you and after seeing some of the resources you had shared on like the, the group, uh, the Facebook group that, um, you invited me to, and some of the other resources there, there's sort of the, um, there's sort of like clinicians in there talking about um that they didn't want to offer services to clients that made them depend on the physio. And I thought like, oh yeah, that's pretty true. Like, I feel like, like I wouldn't want to keep going to a physio, keep going to a chiropractor because that, that means it's not working. Yeah, because I remember I had like a friend um, who's studying medicine and he, he was like, he's like pretty against like Kairos in general, or he just doesn't, um, he he just, yeah, doesn't really like the idea. And then I was like, oh, well, like a lot of people go to kairos pretty often in like the dance scene. And then he's like, well, if they're going pretty often, then probably means it's not working too well if they have to keep going back. And I was like, you know what, that's pretty true, and then I think it made me reevaluate like the sort of health services I was seeking or I was receiving, and sort of helped me reevaluate them. Like, like when I was seeing like those other physios pretty often, but I didn't see any long term um, recovery sort of immediately. So I think when I saw you afterwards so i guess what made me come back was yeah just that idea was like a different approach and um like it was different approach and you were um from the dance scene so i think those were the two um biggest things that were made me consider like oh yeah maybe this is good and then i remember like when i was talking to you about like my experiences with like looking at like the Bob and Brad videos and as well as like all these other exercises that I was trying to do. And then um, you mentioned that like, oh, they might not be evidence-based and like I, and I try to run like things for lower back pain actually to sort of help clinicians like focus on this area. So I feel like as soon as you said like those few things, I sort of felt more comfortable being like, oh yeah, I, I think I came to the right place.
0: Yeah, it's um, and again, full disclosure, because I love Kairos and I know some Kairos that are smarter and better than me out there. Yeah. And uh, nothing wrong with the entire profession. It's more like mm. a, I think it seems like the model of uh dependency and wanting to yeah. do maintenance treatments and that can also be for EPs like myself uh. who offer some, you know, maintenance and it and people still have pain. So if it's just for pain focused fixing treatments and yeah in a passive way without autonomy i think that's that's the main issue for people like yourself out yeah there yeah stuck in that loop and not having there's a certain like um awareness and uh skill to notice and take a zoomed out look at when it's not working and i think that's uh, some, uh, one of the strengths that you have and you had from the start that curiosity to question treatments and things
1: yeah Yeah, that was definitely helpful that I was able to go to, like, lots of different physios too. Yeah, because I think – yeah, I think it was just that I really wanted to get back to dance sort of as quick as possible. And sort of – I was like, okay, if I find one guy that tells me that dancing quicker is okay, like, that sounds great. And then, yeah. Cool. That's –
0: what, quite a journey from March to November today. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Wow. If um, we were to uh, leave the listeners, in particular, the, the clinicians, what, what's um from your lived experience as a, as a dancer, what's one piece of advice you'd like to listeners, clinicians in private practice, and that's physio, chiro, osteo, EP, podiatry yeah. in general,
1: what's one One bit of advice. Um, I think like understanding the the patients or like the clients' sources of information and like understanding like what they know and what they think. So I think it was good once I had told you my thoughts about like my pain and stuff, because I think that helped you understand on like how to, guide the direction and like what the sessions would take. So I think before that point, um, it just seemed like before that point, it was just like, you would provide me your information and your take on things. But then from a client's point of view, it's like, this would just be like another opinion out of like the, the numerous amounts I have in sort of like the health sphere of like saying you could do option A or option B or option C, or you could all take all these different approaches. And I still am paralyzed by choice at the end of the day. But I think once you understood like what options I was sort of considering between and sort of could help guide me to make the right and informed choice, I think that was like the most helpful part. That's it. That Getting
0: that choice and autonomy back, listening to the, the client's story and their understanding and their mm. sources. Yeah, and like honouring their experience and helping the client re- reflect on the experience, yeah, a, and that that pain kind of message. I imagine it was a bit similar to what you went through. Not that I have gone through UNSW psychology content, but like the exposure therapy side of things. Do you see any overlaps?
1: Yeah, so that I you could guess like relate to. Like I guess, um. Yeah, I guess there was like quite a bit of overlap in just like the graded exposure for like anxiety disorders, anxiety-based disorders, as well as like the stuff we did where I would try and like debunk like the thoughts or um ideas I had about like pain. So I thought there was a lot of crossover there, which was really interesting. Um. Yeah.
0: Cool. Mate, I appreciate you sharing your experience and being vulnerable enough to to share it with the masses and hopefully it's helpful. I know it's been helpful for, for me and I had some like honest feedback on my approach and I'm going to massage everyone now. <laughs> yeah. the first session. No, I'm just, <laughs> just joking. Um, but Lucas, again, thank you for your time and for the listeners who are keen to see what all these dance moves are about and, and see you and, or reach out
1: to you if you're open to any questions, where can oh yeah, listeners find you? Sure. So my, Instagram is Lucas underscore Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T. And yeah, you can find my Instagram on there. So you can message me if you have any questions on my experiences there too. Amazing. And I'm sure it's been
0: helpful for any dancers out there listening. As mm, well. I hope so. Amazing. Mate, thank you so much. And until the next time. Thank you.